Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. Well, Lucas, uh, it's been a while once again, but you know what? Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Uh, I did my DDP yoga this morning, and I'm ready to go. Will, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That's right. That's we, are, is. we are recording on MLK Day, which is especially going to be big for our American listeners. So thank you, Lucas, and happy MLK Day to you as well. If only we could all have as good of a start to this day as, as yourself doing some DDP yoga. Nothing gets your day started off right uh, than some fitness. That's right. Going into touchdown, bringing it back into diamond cutter, stretch it back, go into a T-pose, hulk it up, attention, and breathe it out. Is this our first show of 2018, or did we, did we do that last show? I've already lost count. Uh, I think we, we already did our first show of 2018. We are well into it. This is uh, uh, a, a definitely a special show, but uh, not quite the landmark that our last episode was. 2018, it's old hat by now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been through this backwards and forwards. Welcome, everybody, to not the first episode of 2018 of Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and the other voice you hear there is my co-host, Lucas Mancini. Hello, hello. We've got a uh, much-look-forward-to episode to get to in just a moment. But before we get into that, we have got some uh, listener feedback we want to quickly get to. Yes, you can leave your very own feedback for this very podcast. If you love Arthur, if you love our show, then I would encourage you to get at us in the ways that our uh, listeners have been doing. Uh, so first off, over at our email address, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, we have a question here uh, from someone named, and hopefully I get this right, Hawken Bailey, who has been listening to our podcast since last summer. Uh, and I wonder they, if they're a fan of that free-to-play mech video game, Hawken. How, has, how is that spelled? Do you remember? H-A-W-K-E-N, I believe. Uh, they spell their name with two A's instead of an A-W. Oh, so it's like Hawken. Yeah, something, something like that. And hopefully I didn't butcher the pronunciation or anything. Uh, their question is, which episode of Arthur do you consider overrated, and which one do you consider underrated uh they say for me those episodes are arthur's almost real not live music festival in the overrated category and so funny i forgot to laugh in the underrated category well i uh to get to get it kind of flowing i mean we've kind of mentioned how the ensemble episodes are ones that we kind of thought would be a bit better than we thought they would be Mm -hmm. and maybe haven't held up yeah, I would say uh, for you, I know you would definitely say "So Long Spanky" is an overrated episode because you like despise that episode. I mean, I don't know if I'd, I I would just say it's not a very good episode. I don't know if I would necessarily say that it's uh, overrated. I'm just trying to think um, something like uh, "My Club Rules." I think I really thought was going to mm. be good, and eh, it was kind of not as great as I wanted it to be at this point. Uh, but so, so, but something along the lines of kind of what we said, 
I think, uh, to be honest with you, there's a few episodes here and there that really have these nice emotional moments. I'm just kind of going through the ones that we've already done. One that sticks out to me and one that I saw recently because of the change from 2017 to 2018 is Arthur's New Year's Eve. I think that that really Mm. has a very nice ending to it, especially when it comes at the end of season one. I don't think it gets talked about enough or maybe remembered like it should. Uh, for me, I'm having trouble picking out an overrated episode just because mm-hmm. I don't think we go into a lot of these episodes with like preconceived notions of how these episodes are received. Uh, I like some episodes I remember being good and then maybe they disappoint my expectations there, but I'm not sure what like the Arthur fandom thinks of all the episodes. I will say though, a good underrated episode that I never hear anyone talking about is, uh, I think it's grandpa's country farm or whatever that episode's called yeah grandpa uh, dave, grandpa dave's old country farm yeah grandpa dave's old country farm i don't even have a list of the episodes we liked in front of me but that episode always sticks out in my mind at like arthur at its emotional peak i was like blown away by that episode barely having remembered it so uh that would be definitely my pick for most underrated Right on. Thank you very much for that email, Hawken Bailey. Uh, a quick one here as well uh, from Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Our friend Let's Talk Cartoons, a.k.a. Anna, uh, sent us this, and she says, I actually had to do that fill-in-all-the-countries thing when I was in seventh grade. You had to write teeny tiny to fit all of them in there, and you had to color in the countries for certain things, and you had to do it a couple times a semester. I usually did okay, but I always got hung up on the Middle Eastern countries. So there you go. That is a real assignment. I mean, it just seems a little like it just seems like a lot. A lot. It yeah. seems like you're you're asking a lot there. Yeah, for real though. And she also says that a theory on the Barkazoid thing for the future couch could they be making a reference to Barka loungers? Uh, I would assume so because nothing else really makes sense besides the idea that like. It's a dog transformer that turns into a couch. I can't think of anything else. I think she's hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, Barca Lounger is, uh, you know, from Wikipedia right here, it's a type of recliner made in the USA, so that, that's that got to be it. I just always wasn't sure if it was, like, Barca or Bartha. If you oh, Barthazoid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a little, it's a little strange, no doubt about it, but I think that's the best lead that we have, so thank you very much, Anna. Uh, from the Let's Talk Cartoons Tumblr blog. And thanks, everybody, uh, for your feedback this time around. But now it's time to get chippy with it. This is an episode that's all about potato chips. So I hope that you don't have a hankering for anything salty because by the end of this, you're going to be diving for your nearest potato chip bag. Let's get into it. It's another one of those episodes that kind of has an an overarching story, sort of, or the story from one leads into the other. Yeah, uh, I would say this is, like, one of the most like that. Like, it's almost one episode, really. Yeah, it almost is, like you say, one long episode. But let's get into it. It is The Chips Are Down to start us off. Um, oh, I had the episode in front of me because, of course, it's been a little while since we've uh, since we've recorded, and I just want to make sure that I don't forget anything. Oh, that's right. Uh, so we start off uh, DW's new thing. She's in the sugar bowl with uh, her mom and is asking Arthur and Francine to do a poll. So she's asking people uh, what is their, like, what's their biggest dream or what they most want to do in life. uh, Arthur says it's her new thing, poll doing. 
That's like her new hobby because she saw it on TV, which I think is really funny. Like, this is just an odd scenario. Uh, DW, maybe she's got a future in being hired by 538. Uh, what? Whatever that guy's name is, that it's a, a like statistical analysis website. It's the ones that like predicted Trump would win. I've never heard of this. Five thirty eight. Oh, the guy's name is Nathan something something. It's like a a very famous like pollster, uh, statistical analysis website. Anyway, and that's the first thing I thought of was because we've talked about DW's future careers before. Uh, and this just add this one to the list. She's a real regular Renaissance child. Yeah, and of course, kids picking up things that they see on TV. I mean, that was that was pretty much when I was when I was little. I I used to repeat the uh, commercial for Robaxa set, which is that uh, <laughs> that back pain medication. That's just because I saw just because I saw it all the time, and it has like it had like the puppet in it, so it was uh, it was very distinctive to me. But of course, the monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. So under duress, Arthur admits that the thing he most wants to do in life is to play a real piano concert which DW says isn't very exciting, but then Arthur adds, while skydiving. So adding a little bit of a point-break spin to yeah. his uh, biggest dream. It's like if Justin Gabriel was a pianist. <laughs> the, yeah, the darewolf playing uh, box concerto or whatever. Uh, and Francine, in a similar extreme uh, uh, point, or a similar extreme vein, wants to play hockey on on the rings of Saturn, the planet. So she wants to become an astronaut and a professional hockey player. I, I have no editorialization <laughs> to add because that is not possible. <laughs> uh, and then finally, DW asks Binky what he what he always wants to do. Except, except she refers to him. Yeah, she refers to him as Big Head Kid. Big Head Kid. Uh, which I wonder. You know, I totally forgot to ask this. So, recently recorded an extra episode with uh, Mr. Jordan Taylor, which you'll be hearing uh, pretty soon, I'd say, within a uh, a little bit of time. Uh, I believe on Twitter his name is Big Head Kid, and I wonder if this is where he got it from because it's a very distinctive name and very fitting because Binky's head is almost looks like a gourd when you look at it. Yeah, he looks like it, that. It's funny you say that because he reminds me of uh, the Veggie Tales. The orange gourd looks. Oh a lot yeah. Like Okay, yeah. If, if you were if you were to just take Binky's head off his torso and just put feet on the bottom of his head like Kirby, he'd look like the gourd from Veggie Tales. I also think he kind of looks like. Uh, did you ever play Crazy Bones? No. Okay. What's that? Oh man, this is really hard to explain. So it's what it basically was when I was a kid. It was essentially like marbles, if if they branded it. It's. I've never gosh, heard of this before. Gosh, how do I explain this? And I almost feel like I've talked about this before. And I feel like I've brought this up on a, on another episode, but I couldn't remember what they were called. Uh, it's essentially like there are different kinds of marble-style games you can play with them. They're these little, like, deformed faces that are kind of made out of plastic. And you would kind of, like, play different marble-type games and, like, trade them and play for keeps and all that kind of stuff. Look up Crazy Bones. It's like one of the dumbest things that deserves to be forgotten. Just a small children's toy fad that I was a part of in the later 90s. And uh, didn't really go anywhere. Kind of didn't deserve to. But his head, Binky's head kind of looks like one of the weird shapes that a Crazy Bone would come would come in. Anyway, uh, Binky's big thing is... Uh, he thinks about it for a second and then distracts Arthur and Francine and then drinks both their sodas at the same time. Like from two glasses, two straws, just 
gets them both and then just says, I always wanted to do that. Was it uh, the same flavor or like was he mixing? Was he making some swamp water? I didn't notice if they were two different sodas. They both look to be orange sodas. Every time they okay. get sodas, they look to be either orange or cherry. And these ones were definitely orange. So it is definitely. And as we know, Francine hates cherry. That's right. Uh, yeah, so that's what he always wanted to do. Uh, not exactly a super related cold opening, but uh, at least it kind of sets up the characters within. Uh, except, of course, for Buster, who is with Arthur at the beginning of the episode, and they are separating chips into different categories because, you see, it's raining outside, and they have to find something to do. So they are uh, separating chips into all these different categories. Man, rainy days used to suck. Yeah, I love how, like, realistic it is to portray, like, the way kids entertain themselves uh, when... Of course, you can't play video games or something, but if you're trapped inside and you have nothing else to do, uh, the monotonous ways they will, between counting, like, ceiling tiles, uh, eating chips is, uh, I mean, organizing chips by shape is definitely on that spectrum. But you know what? Their chip game kind of seems fun. They have a pile for ducks. They have, did they have a pile for presidents? I don't even remember. I did write down all yeah, the different piles. It was, like, ducks, presidents, ones that, uh, looks, look like friends of theirs, um, yeah, just as many categories as they can think of. Uh, DW is looking for a chip there, and uh, Arthur says. Now he, I will, I will note here. Arthur doesn't refuse her. He just says, "Let it." He just wants them to count up their chips, and then she can have some. It's almost so as it, if Arthur has a uh, a chip on his shoulder. Oh, I think the call disconnected. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry, folks. no, oh, oh, no, I was just taking a oh. very, very labored <laughs> breath. <laughs> It'll show up in the podcast, but sorry, I, just... I, I will. I think we're having some connection problems. I did hear your raucous laughter. Uh, I think we, you might've muted your mic or something. Yeah. Sorry about that. I think. My... Oh, there you are. You're back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, full disclosure here. I mean, this, both of these episodes are based around the fact that DW, when they're not looking, uh, well, sorry, Arthur and Buster find a green potato chip, which is actually a quite quite a big one, too. And then DW finds it and decides she wants to keep it forever, treasure it forever, and then eats it. This is the first time that I'd ever heard of a green potato chip. Yeah, I heard about it from this show, but apparently is a, it is a real thing. Much like what we talked about Arthur introducing us to your ears going green from cheap earrings... Uh, green potato chips are a real like factory defect that'll happen from time to time. Oh, big time! But this, I, I had never seen one before in real life, and I, and then I feel like not long after seeing this, like I started to become, I started to notice it a lot more. And it's more of like you never see one that is like this neon green. It's, no, that's true. No, it's more like there are like uh, parts of one potato chip that are like a little green. All about that green, baby. Yeah. Uh, so DW. Hey, eats- uh, uh, our, uh, Will, what's, uh, what's, uh, Arthur Buster's favorite genre of music? What is it, Chip- Lucas? It's Chip Tune! Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, it's, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> God. Uh, so DW eats the, uh, eats the potato chip, and then Arthur and Buster decide to play a little trick on her to get her to confess that she did it. Uh, There's a great shot here where DW is sitting at the top of the stairs 
while Arthur and Buster are talking loudly. And before they start to kind of fool her, she just goes, I am so much smarter than Arthur. Uh, there's so much good vocal direction in this episode, like her delivery of that, uh, her delivery of when she's like, I will treasure it forever. And then there's a beat and then she takes a bite out of the chip. And then, uh, like I always say, I love it when the characters are just delivering lines, but they have to deliver it in a very specific performative way. And when Arthur and Buster are lying about, uh, they're just kind of trying to speak loudly about how the dangers of eating a green potato chip. It's so funny how stilted they are where it's like, Oh, did you know that green chips are poison? Yeah, it's like, I almost ate a green potato chip. You're lucky you didn't. Those <laughs> ones are poison, and there's no cure. <laughs> just, so, like, just performative enough to make her hear it, but, of course, she doesn't know the difference. This is actually a pretty decent prank, uh, and it just doesn't really have the effect that they're that they're looking for. And, of course, what I also like is that Nadine shows up, and... She, as she says later in the episode, I only know what you know. So, of course, she immediately is like, why did you eat that potato chip? Which is actually like, it's it's a deep look into the Arthur lore, the magical realism. I love how uh, the Arthur universe has consistent rules, even when it gets out there, like with Nadine's character. Now we know that whenever Nadine is giving DW information, it's information DW already knows. Yeah. Uh, just, just a good little thing there. So they don't immediately hear her screaming or anything. So they assume that it just didn't work. Um, and so DW actually goes back into her room and kind of starts to, starts to resign herself to her fate that she is going to die in an indeterminate amount of time. And I will say, as we get into this next scene, like, when, when I say die, like, we're not really dancing around it very much. So the next day, DW goes to the Tibble twins, who she feels are, like, some sort of authority that can tell her whether or not Arthur was lying. And Yeah, I really, I really like this detail because DW doesn't – props to DW. She doesn't actually just believe them, like, wholeheartedly. She tries to look for independent points of inquiry and to test her hypothesis – that chips are indeed green chips are indeed poison like she doesn't just blindly take what arthur says she's like okay let's figure this out let's talk to an expert and of course that expert is the tibble twins right and of course not much that not much that they know but uh, <laughs> she goes to the playground the next day and uh they, they they say something to her and she's obviously very distracted and again with the the vocal direction is just like it's like, hey, DW, you want to see... Th it's like, look at this. Look at what we could do. She's like, yeah, right, sure. Uh, listen, do you know anything about green potato chips? And they just they're say... Talking about, uh, they're talking about Binky trying to swing over the uh, bar on the swing set. Uh, they're like, that kid's oh, yeah. swing over the bar. And the, it, she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And she's like, let's get to something actually important. A matter of life and death. Uh, sorry, one thing here that I, that I just forgot about in the previous scene. Uh, when... They don't immediately hear a response from DW uh, with their trick. Uh, then they're just like, maybe she didn't eat it. And then Arthur's like, yeah, maybe Pal ate it. And there's a great close-up shot of Pal looking at the camera, and he just looks <laughs> so offended that uh, that anyone would think that he would eat a chip. He just looks so mad. Pal really is like the the like gym face of this show. Whatever he's mentioned, it was a very good gym face. Uh, so as soon as uh, uh, the Tibble twins say. 
to, about green chips. Oh, you mean the poison ones? NDW does like, you know, on Jesus and Marrow when like Marrow finds something really funny and he just does like the sink back into the chair, arms over his chest. Sort and he of just kind of yells. He goes, ah! <laughs> or he goes, yeah! Yeah, exactly. Yow! So DW does that, except she is far more forlorn. She just, like, does does a dead man right back into the grass and is just kind of sitting there thinking. And Binky, like you say, they set up that Binky is trying to swing over the bar. Uh, and he kind of asks, uh, he says, hey, Arthur's sister, are you all right? So to, to each other, they are Big Head Kid and Arthur's sister. And... He says, what did, what did you say about green potato chips? And DW says, they're poison. He's like, what? I ate one last week. And, of course, Binky immediately believes her. This it's episode's funny. such a genius idea because it introduces the pairing of DW and Binky, which is not a pairing we've seen yet. Um, and it's just so fun. Like, I, 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 I they... Because they both, their biggest weakness as characters is that they're both kind of ignorant in their own way. Like, DW is very gullible, and Binky's kind of simple minded when faced with a lot of situations. So they're mm-hmm. both quick to believe anything they're told. But I like the, their dynamic, I like the way they play off one another. Yeah, I mean, I was like, originally when I was watching this, I was going to complain about the setup for the situation. I'm just like, oh, DW gets tricked, and then, you know, all this. And it's just like, oh, then they're going to find out later that it actually wasn't what she thought it was. But I actually love where this goes, and we'll get into it, of course. But I agree with you. It's a very – it's a great um, combination of characters that we wouldn't get necessarily. There's a there's a part where Binky gets off the swing when he's in disbelief about green chips being poison. And the swing goes back, and I, I swear to you, it stays up in the air for like a good five seconds. So – Binky really, really uh, stronger than maybe he even knows what to do with. Uh, DW has a line when um, she's talking with Binky about it, about he he's kind of a bit more nonchalant about his impending quote unquote death, and DW is trying to give it a bit more gravity. And she's yeah, and- like Binky's more of a carpe diem kind of guy. DW is more like a YOLO kind of gal. If that makes any sense. He's got more of a zen attitude towards it. I think so. Uh, But she says to Binky, she says, Big head kid, this is like a tragedy. You've heard of death? And like I said, like, we're not pulling any punches here. DW and Binky think they're going to die. I think what's funny about that, I mean, I think they're allowed to do that because we as the audience know they obviously are not. Uh, Otherwise, this episode would be a little bit harrowing for a young child. Big time, but it, it yeah you're right it is it is like a, a very lighthearted tone so you can kind of approach these things without uh, uh, you know messing anybody up too much. So the two of them, since they both have quote unquote ex- like a limited amount of time, decide to do uh, all of the things that they've ever wanted to do. They start off with like uh, tying a kite to like fi- I think it was like five spools of string, and just seeing how high it'll go. And, of course, it goes so high, they can't even see it anymore. And we get this nice little montage of the two of them just kind of doing all these fun things. Now, here's here's what I'm not certain about. The things they kind of do are seem to be spanning all kinds of seasons. It looks like it's taking place over, like, the course of the year. Because yeah, in, one I of, think it's it, a- in one of them, they're, like, they've got their, like, rain jackets on. And they're, like, skipping stones or something. Uh, then they have their bathing suits on and they're going to swim in the lake. Then they're carving a jack-o'-lantern. Then they're in the snow. 
So, like, was this just over the course of a calendar year they did all these things? No, no, because, uh, so I think it's just a visual joke, because immediately afterwards, DW goes, you'd be surprised what you could get done in one day when you're gonna die. Uh, so I think it's just like a visual joke that they were doing all these things in one day by some sort of, uh, magic or something. Yeah, get that. Uh, in quick succession. I also like, uh, in the next scene immediately afterwards, DW's wearing a birthday party hat and watching Christmas shows. Uh, and this is where we figure out the date of when this episode takes place because Arthur goes, you're watching Christmas videos in May? And she's just like, I want to make sure I see I see them, sort of thing. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess that I guess that uh, I kind of missed that I missed that gag a little bit because I was just like, how is this taking place? But again, kind of bending the laws of reality with uh, a little bit of that magical realism. Yeah, DW watching uh, uh, the Mary Moo Cow Christmas special on on video. Uh, we get into I'm gonna say is one of my personal kind of favorite scenes like extended scenes uh char- character wise in Arthur so far uh Binky is in school and he asks Brain to like he gives Brain a list of things he's always wanted to do and just wants to make sure that they are actually doable yeah this so yeah i, I just want to set the scene with this like this whole scenario yeah. is very Max Keeble's big move <laughs> Like, this is, like, the film Max Keeble's big move condensed to, like, maybe a minute or two. Max Keeble's big move? I haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh, yeah, so uh, Mr. Ratburn asked Binky if he can give an answer to a question they had for homework. And I wrote this down as Binky sees through the Matrix because <laughs> he stands up and he says, Mr. Ratburn, I almost did my homework. Then I thought about it. What's the point? Well, doing all this homework really helped me. And, of course, this is breaking the brains of not just everybody else in the class, but, like, Mr. Ratburn, who is just, yeah, like... He, he he almost sends Mr. Ratburn to the Shadow Realm, essentially. Like <laughs> gives, a, gives a little bit of that yummy mind crush. Yeah, he's been ethered. Yeah. If we just kind of cut away. Uh, we'll get back to Binky scene in a second. Uh, they're discussing careers at DW's preschool. And she says, is there a career that I can succeed in, uh, say, by next year? I, I don't want to limit my I don't want to limit myself to uh, uh, to something. And she also says, I don't want to s- just sit here watching the Tibble twins eat paper paste. And of course, the Tibble twins are literally eating glue. Predictable, yeah. predictable out of 10. Of course, the Tibble twins eat glue. Uh, so let's get back to let's get back to Binky here, because his kind of uh, Neo moment continues on. He's in principal haney's office uh the visual there's a visual joke in here that's like a simpsons joke it's so well executed and it's subtle but i found it hilarious uh Uh, yeah go on yeah yeah, no no you continue uh so point it out when we get to it sure thing uh so mr haney is just like so mr ratburn tells me that you didn't do your homework binky and then vinky like i he doesn't he doesn't cut a promo but he kind of has this monologue about like Mr. Haney, sir, we live in this wonderful, beautiful world with so many things to teach us. Like, should should we really spend it cooped up inside when there's so much wonders of nature to experience? Essentially, he like it's it's like Fallout, and he wins a charisma check against Mr. Haney because not only uh. does he bring Mr. Haney around to his side, but Haney brings Binky back to Ratburn, and 
child. So, so wait, so when yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, when Binky is delivering this monologue about uh, how life is wasted doing homework and we should, you know, grab our total potential and explore nature, he, like, walks over to the window of Mr. Hades' office and then there's, like, a dump truck, like, right outside the window <laughs> and then the dump truck drives away and then, like, the beauty of nature is behind it. But it's such a perfectly timed joke. Yeah, that's a good catch. Mr. Haney brings Binky back to Mr. Ratburn. He's just like, Mr. Ratburn, this boy has the soul of a poet, and I, for one, don't appreciate you trying to crush his inner spirit. In fact, Binky came out on the other end so well that he convinced Mr. Haney to climb Mount Everest, which he's got his, like, he's got his backpack and his pickaxe all ready to go, so he's apparently just taken a instant sabbatical or something in order to climb Mount Everest. And my favorite line of this is, as... Mr. Haney's walking away. Binky just goes, see ya, Herb. <laughs> There's a part. So Mr. Rapper's like beside himself at this point. He's yeah. like, Binky? Binky Barnes? <laughs> like in total disbelief of it's... the situation, which is like the first time we've ever seen Mr. Rapper in this state ever. Yeah. It's a yeah exactly. We've never he's seen usually him. in he's usually in total control, but right now he's at his wits' end. Like his entire worldview is crashing around him because Binky like doesn't want to do his homework. It's R- it's awesome. Right, and not only that, but he's been appraised to have like this poetic soul, and just like you're right, he does give a great reading on that that Binky Barnes line. I thought that that I thought that whole thing was just fantastic. I I, I loved just how well represented Binky's character was there and how we got to see a little bit something different out of Mr. Ratburn and Mr. Haney. Binky's uh, list is fact-checked by Brain. Essentially, there are two, there are three things that he wants to do and two of them are literally impossible. One of them is that he wants to... Sorry. Take a just, bite out of the sun. He wants, he wants to, to take... And he wants to drink the ocean. Right. Those he wants to, he wants to drink the ocean and take a bite out of the sun. Uh, Brain describes the sun as hotter than a pizza cooked inside a baked potato. I don't know about you. I want to try that. A pizza cooked uh, inside a giant baked potato. I'm I'm into I, it. Like a like a pizza baked potato. Oh, see, that's how you pre- interpreted it. Because I was thinking like a really small pizza inside a normal sized baked potato. No, yeah. I feel like it'd be easier to get your hands on a really small pizza than it would be to get a giant baked potato. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I think that's a better way of looking at it and that still would be pretty good. In fact, if it was a big baked potato, that would be a lot that'd be a lot of potato. So A lot of starch. Yeah, a lot of starch. So let's go with yours. I like it. It's I mean, it just reminds me that I could use some use some lunch pretty soon. Um yeah, so he can't do those two things. So the last thing on his list, his goal is to to do ballet and Binky wants to do ballet speaking again to his poetic soul he's outside Romanov's ballet school and takes a deep breath and uh, goes in with his gym bag and learns how to do ballet and this is kind of a new turning point for Binky ballet is something that is I think further informs his character going forward uh it isn't necessarily like all he's known for but it is something that like they come back to, I believe, here and again. Later on, Arthur, Buster, and Francine are talking about how Binky and Binky's acting weird, and so is DW. And <laughs> Arthur's like, DW's acting really weird. Last night, she kissed me goodnight. And Francine just goes, eerie. 
And he go- he has this board game with them, and he's like, and she put everything back where it belongs. That's right. And they all got invited to a ballet recital starring Binky Barnes. And they they spy them both outside, and Binky says, uh, DW says to Binky, like, have you ever really, really looked at a leaf? Binky's like, yeah, I did yesterday for five hours. And there's a great line here from Buster where Arthur's really confused, and Buster's just like, Arthur, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, the next scene is where we finally get the the sort of liar revealed kind of thing of uh, uh, DW is like puts on one of her nice uh, dresses and she says, "I'm gonna wear this to the Big Head Kids ballet recital." And Mom says, "Oh, very nice." And DW's like, "I may never have another chance to wear it." <laughs> um, and then she sees Arthur about to eat a green potato chip and then swipes it out of his hand. And that's where it's revealed that uh, Arthur finally says, oh, that's just a joke. They're not poison. Everybody just says that. And then he puts it together. It's just like, you did eat my chip. That's why you've been acting so nice. <laughs> so this actually kind of raises, in a way, a philosophical question. Uh, through this through this lie that Arthur told, Binky and DW's lives have been enriched. But yeah, it's, what, it's very but, much a uh, 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 it's a wonderful life type scenario where like they're so happy to be alive. But it also raises the question like, what's better, in, enlightenment based on a lie or the truth as it is? You know? Uh, oh, geez. Well, I'm, this is like D.W. and Binky would never have gotten this kind of enlightenment if they had if they hadn't been lied to. If a lie wasn't part of this, if they had just heard the truth, they may have never bettered themselves. So is it good that they were lied to or was it bad? I don't know if they so much bettered themselves. Like DW was acting particularly nice, but I think they were doing things that uh, they always wanted to do. Uh, I don't know. It's quite the quandary. Yeah. I leave that to you. I leave that to you for your thought of the day, uh, boys and girls. So at the ballet recital, you know, the, you know, the <laughs> monkey's out of the bag now. Um, DW knows that green chips aren't poison. And while Binky's on stage performing, a, um, I don't know if they named the ballet. It might be like Swan Lake or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out that Binky's ballet singlet makes him look like Tugboat. Oh, the, rest, earth, the, the wrestler? Earthquake. Yeah, Tugboat or Earthquake or Typhoon. I get all three of those mixed up. I actually just watched the 1990 Royal Rumble, and Typhoon, or not Typhoon, Earthquake has a turquoise singlet that looks exactly okay. like this. It must be t- Earthquake is who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Is it Tugboat either Earthquake or Typhoon? Isn't he one of them? No, Earthquake is his own guy. Tugboat and Typhoon are the same guy. Oh, so Tugboat is Typhoon. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He's also the Shockmaster. That's right. Fred Ot- shock the world. Fred Ottman is his name. Uh, so, <laughs> good catch there. Binky is the earthquake. Um, or the Canadian earthquake, depending on what time you're talking about. So, DW backstage tells Binky that green chips aren't poison, and then he immediately is back in the audience with, like, oh a, my God. a trench coat on. <laughs> Which is hilarious! Like, where did he get the trench coat? I love, like... People, that's, like, the go-to, like, people, like, covering up something embarrassing or if you're naked in, like, a show. Like, it's always, like, you have a trench coat on hand. Yeah, it's like Arthur's Bloodborne coat from the very first episode. Oh, right! (laughs) So Binky immediately is just, like, like, it was just a big joke. I mean, me doing ballet? Come on. But in, uh, you know, in kind of bucking the trope in this, you know, because in this case it would be, like, 
Binky does ballet, and he doesn't want his friends to know, and his friends, like, are like, what, you do ballet? That's, like, that's for girls, or something like that. But without any fight, like, they all just say, like, uh, not only are Arthur, Buster, Francine are there, but the tough customers are there, too. And Binky's like, yeah, it was just a big joke, me and ballet? And then Rattles is like, too bad. You were the best part. And then everybody agrees. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll just go back and do it. And then, like, literally in the middle of a routine, uh, one of the dancers, like, goes for a leap and doesn't realize Binky's going to catch her. And then he just kind of, like, sprints his way on stage and just with the clutch catch of the century. I will also say, like, everybody cheers at the end when the ballet is done. And they use one of the stock Arthur cheering sounds. And it's for when they normally, like, win a game of something. It's like, like yeah. you can hear people in the audience going, we win, we win. Oh, I like, didn't notice that at all. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Oh, I, it always kind of bugs me, but, you know, you got to. What would you say is the my leg of Arthur? I think it might it, it might be that to me, but no. Ooh, oh, I no, I, I, no. I, it's Arthur's like exasperated. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Sorry, I I was just about to correct myself and say that's ex that's exactly it. It's the <laughs> everybody everybody knows that. I in fact, as the episode as this story ends, um, you know, DW meets Binky after his performance, and uh, he thanks her for telling her the truth, but he's glad that they got time to hang out or else he never would have uh, pursued his dream of doing ballet and they introduce each, each other as Binky and DW instead of Arthur's sister and Big Head Kid. And it's funny, I never realized that they never called each other by their names this entire time. Mm. It's, a, it's a really great moment to close out the episode on. Well, it would be, except that's not what the episode ends on. Uh, they, you know, they introduce e themselves to each other and then... Uh, Arthur kind of regards them from afar as just like, I will never know how those two became friends. And then Buster just goes, space aliens. And of course, we cut outside, and there's a flying saucer, and the a and there's two aliens in tutus, and they just say, don't blame us. We are just ballet fans. I don't like when the aliens show up. Like I like when the aliens show up. I don't. It's, I, it's fun. Uh... It I, I just find it distracts from like the nice the nice part of this episode, which was very much focused on the characters and the aliens are just not anything and I don't know. Just kinda rubs me the wrong way. But it's it, but they're it's only a couple seconds they're there, so it's hardly offensive. Um so I wasn't able to find a word from us kids segment for this episode. I do, however, remember that there was one with this, and I apologize that I wasn't able to find it. I it was the kids going to a potato chip factory and then like explaining uh, what green potato chips are, why they turn out that way. You know, they're not poison or anything. And then they get to eat a bunch of potato chips, but I wasn't able to find that anywhere. Oh my God. Yeah, it was pretty like, cool. That, that I, sounds pretty interesting. Actually. I'm yeah, sad we missed it. Yeah, me too. I liked, I liked as a kid learning how potato chips are made and, and like figuring out like, Oh, they actually are like potatoes because <laughs> You know, as much as people call them potato chips, until you, like, see how they're made, they're like, oh, those are, like, the same things that, like, mom makes mashed potatoes out of. Uh, you might be alone on that one, Will. I, I think I always knew that potato chips were made for potatoes. Well, I mean, yeah, because they're in the name. It's just kind of, uh, helping the, it, You helping know what? I, I, find, I find Canadians call them just chips. Like, I find in Canada, yeah. 
you don't hear the term potato chips that often actually you hear chips yeah or, yeah or storm chips i guess absolutely okay then we get into the second half here we've got revenge of the chip we've we're not done with these chips by a long shot and it starts off with them arthur francine and buster watching what is the arthur equivalent of the show kids say the darnest things you do the most embarrassing things you know this got me ruminating about kids say the darndest things and really there's two thoughts that stick out in my mind one Kids Say the Darndest Things was basically like Vine before Vine in like the 80s. Very similar to how like America's Funniest Hope Videos has kind of been made irrelevant by the advent of the internet. Kids Say the Darndest Things is basically like those Gavin Vines but on TV and with Bill Cosby. Uh, And the other thing is that Kids Say the Darndest Things, I have like a Pavlovian response where I just immediately start quoting that Simpsons joke where it's like, Pokemon with the Pokey and the Mon and the guy in the... I love that one. Uh, I don't know if it's the vine of its time, but I can definitely see the LeBron James kid being on Kids in the things. I have a basketball game tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, exactly. It, uh, and well, kids on Vine that not only say the darnest things, they say the the effinest things at that That's point. That's right, Miss Keisha, Miss Keisha. Oh my effing god, she effing dead. She effing dead. <laughs> uh, I'm eleven, so shut, so shut the f up. Great to... speech. Oh, you really? Because I I practiced it. And I didn't even come up. Oh my god, just take the freaking compliment. What, uh, essentially, it is kids say the darnest things. If you've never seen or uh, heard of that show, it is that you know there's uh, an interviewer is talking to a kid about his most embarrassing moments, and it's about how he ate a sandwich, and he found that that there was a worm in it, and then just kept going and ate the rest of the sandwich. That is a pretty good uh, like for fake kids say the darnest fig story. That's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Like the delivery of the kid where it's like, and what did you do after you saw the worm? He goes. I ain't the rest. Like, it's very, like, they hit the, it's very accurate to the real show, if you've ever seen the real show. Uh, uh, My my first thought was, I wonder what kind of sandwich it was. Uh, I got to tell you, I could have done without the reenactment, because it's like, they they do like a special reenactment of what happened, and then it's like a close-up shot of a sandwich with a worm in it, and then it cuts to the kid eating it, and I was like, um... Didn't want to see that today. That's fine. Thank you. Yeah. For all you Americans out there, there used to be a show in Canada called Popular Mechanics for Kids. Oh, I love BMK. And there's an episode where someone posits, what if there was bugs in your peanut butter sandwich? And I feel like I didn't eat crunchy peanut butter for like a year after seeing that. That's how I found out that uh, drinking pee in a survival situation is not a good thing to do. Now, Will, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but did you know both hosts of popular mechanics for kids are now very famous successful actors jay baruchel and alicia yeah. cuthbert i sure did yeah jay Bar. I, I i knew alicia cuthbert was like because i'm a big fan of happy endings uh and so i knew alicia cuthbert was doing well but i didn't realize it was jay baruchel like on pmk until i was watching some clips on youtube the other day that's crazy he was the first toast. I remember I started watching because, like, when it was on, I wasn't. I didn't think that I would actually like Popular Mechanics for Kids until I actually watched it, and I was like, "Oh, I actually like this a lot." And so I started watching when the second host was on there. His name was Tyler Kite. Oh, 
Whatever uh, happened to Tyler, we'll never know. Yeah, I'm not. Qu- I'm not quite sure. Although he seems, Wikipedia tells me he was on the uh, the Canadian drama Instant Star. Yeah, but there's levels, and that's not being Jack Bauer's daughter on Twenty Four. You feel me? No, sure, certainly not. Or being in the Seth Rogen, James Franco, Evan Goldberg inner circle. True. Uh, so yeah, PMK. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. I haven't thought about that in a while. I was watching the episode the other day where they meet the Montreal Expos. Oh, yeah? It is very, very good. I remember there was one where uh, Tyler learned how to how to break dance. And they, <laughs> that and they, also sounds very good. Yeah, big time. Uh, and, yeah, there was a couple of other ones, like, where uh, Alicia learned about, like, sleepwalking. There was another one where, like, they put her into a song. And I remember it went, I'm Alicia, okay? I co-host PMK. You know what? Alicia Cuthbert, talk about underrated things. Alicia Cuthbert's so underrated. I don't know if you've seen Happy Endings, Will, but nobody watched it. It was the sitcom that was on for three seasons, Mm -hmm. and it is, like, the most underrated sitcom ever, in my opinion. Like, she's hilarious on that show. Uh, Uh, The main actor looks like Chris Jericho. It's just, I I really like Happy Endings, and I think more people need to watch it. He does kind of look like Chris Jericho, now that you mention it. Uh, I, I did watch... Um, I want to say like two seasons of Happy Endings when it was on Netflix. It's okay. It's <sighs> it, it's it's all right. Listen, it, it, just I, it do does it get me. better. I, I will say the first season is the most generic, and it gets more out there as it continues. Uh, but seasons two, three, Happy Endings. That's they get the Lucas Van Sandy seal of approval. All right, fair enough. Check check it out if if it's on a streaming platform, uh, near you. Everybody's really. Uh, grossed out at this reenactment. I think I think the cold open is essentially like everybody does something that's embarrassing, but then it can help to talk about it. Sometimes, um, the actual episode begins with um, Arthur talking about how he has tickets to a taping of "You Do the Most Embarrassing Things." It's going to be taping at Wonder World. I like as Arthur's explaining the situation, he's inspecting his dinner, which I thought was kind of strange uh, when I was watching it. But I see now it's probably linked to the cold open in that he's they he's having sandwiches for dinner and he's probably inspecting the sandwich to make sure there isn't a worm in it. Oh, that's definitely what he's doing. That's a great detail. I didn't notice that. I thought I thought he was just scanning it because his dad made it. You know what I mean? So I was like, wow, that's kind of a rude thing to do. But he's just checking it for worms. So that makes a lot more sense. So DW really wants to go because she has a great line here. I've never seen TV before. It's TV before. Which is actually- I know. I I wrote that down too. That's funny. And and it's I mean it's true. It's actually pretty cool to go. I remember I went to a taping of Mr. Dress Up when I was very young, and it was cool to see like TV being recorded. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I I've still never seen like a taping of Twenty Two Minutes or anything like that. I've always wanted to. I had a chance to uh, when I was in the program that you and I both did, but uh, I I didn't I did not go. Uh, oh, Royal oh. Rumble. You've been to a wrestling event that was televised. Yeah, that's right, and that's about and it. I- yeah. I've been to a, a UFC, so that that's that's pretty much the extent. Yeah, that's yeah, that's about it. I haven't been in the studio audience for anything. Uh, if you have, I'd love to hear about your story. Uh, email us or send us a message. Uh, so yeah, DW really wants to go, but then Arthur is saying, "No way! Uh, every time I bring you out somewhere, you always do something so embarrassing." Uh, and the DW is like, name one time. So we get a little bit of a cutaway where Arthur takes her to a sci-fi action movie. Uh, uh, DW is very noisily eating popcorn and uh, drinking soda, 
which to be fair everybody's doing that like there's no real way to be like super discreet about that uh in the theater and it's like it's just kind of the one of the noises you get used to when you're watching movies yeah but sometimes people could get a little bit like a little almost like asmr mukbang level of <laughs> chewing of like really going like really getting the goat mouth go goat mouth going goat uh mouth. that's just not necessary really chewing on also i try to strategically like chew during non-quiet moments when you got that that inception score going that's a great time to stuff your face but if it's a quiet scene i don't know yeah that's that's a good point we get an art garfunkel sighting in the movie theater right? Yeah, so I'm glad you noticed this too. That was indeed Art Gar. So Art Garfunkel has either visited or he's taken up permanent residency residency in Elwood City. Yeah. Uh, so he's watching the same movie, but he's in front of DW, so she can't see. And she gets on top of the chair and is like really balancing on there. Uh, she falls. Arthur grabs her, but of course the popcorn goes goes over all all over Mr. Haney for a classic "sorry, sir" gag. Uh. DW refutes that this this doesn't matter. Of just like that was last year. I'm a whole year older since then. Name something more recent. And Arthur brings up you thought you were going to die from eating a green potato chip. And so we see at this point a bit of time has progressed where uh, the green potato chip thing has become a, essentially a Reed family meme. Uh, but DW is not at all amused. She still is very embarrassed by that. She said you promised you wouldn't bring that up. And I like how mom and dad are both laughing. At one point, dad is like clearly laugh, la- like through his laughter. He's just like, Arthur, don't tease DW. <laughs> like they just, I mean, it is pretty funny. Yeah, that's to- and, and it's totally believable. That's totally something that I can imagine parents like really laughing over, you know, just embarrassing thing that their kid did. That is just the funniest thing ever. So uh, Arthur says that if she, if DW can prove that she can, uh, uh, be in a, be mature, then he will bring her to the taping. So when they go to the library the next day, DW wheels in this very noisy wagon that she brings with her, and it's like it disturbs everybody. And Arthur just turns around and is like, "Well, DW, you're failing so far." <laughs> Arthur, like in the first episode, Arthur's like a straight up antagonist. Yeah. But I really, really enjoyed Arthur in this episode because he's not so much being antagonistic as he is being like, he's actually fairly reasonable. Uh, like his logic, he doesn't straight up say DW can't come. He gives her the opportunity to prove herself. Uh, and so I think he's just acting pretty realistic. Like that would be very, very uh, disruptive to bring a squeaky wagon into a library. Big time. So DW is on the hunt for a book that can help that can help her be more mature. And it's uh, during that wonderful time of childhood where the bigger the book is, the smarter it is. And of course, she finds. Oh, I love this gag! I love this gag so much. The big she finds the biggest book in the library, which we later find out is just a a large like. A, a, like coffee table sized tome that just says macroeconomics. <laughs> and we get a little gag where DW is wheeling it, wheeling it out of the library. Essentially, essentially she asks Arthur, like, what does it say? Arthur's like, macroeconomics. DW is like, I love that. What is it again? Uh, so that is what she's going to read to prove that she is mature, even though she can't read. Uh, they go to get ice cream at the Brains Mom's ice cream shop. Um, and DW's initial reaction to what ice cream she wants is, I want Rocky Road with extra cookie pieces, which is a very, very good uh, choice. But then she kind of recoils and says, I mean, I'll have something vegetarian. 
And I'm very curious what vegetarian ice cream that DW got from the Brains Mom's ice cream shop because they've got some wacky flavors in there. I can only imagine what's sticking out of her ice cream cone when it's vegetarian. A couple things about this. One, I love the that DW's idea of like being grown up is vegetarian. Yeah. Like, oh, that's something only adults would do. Uh, the other thing is, I think she kind of screwed up here because technically Rocky Road ice cream with extra cookie pieces is vegetarian. There's nothing non-vegetarian in it. She did ask for vegan ice cream, mm-hmm. which would disqualify the rock. Well, pretty much any milk-based ice cream whatsoever. But uh, vegetarians can eat dairy products, so she could have just stuck with the rocky road. Unless it's like again, this is the braid's mob after all. She should could be hiding some chicken feet in there or something. Yeah, you have to be pretty explicit about that and make sure that there's no meat products have passed through the ice cream you want at that particular ice cream shop. Uh, the Brains Bomb makes a comment to her about, like, I sure hope you're feeling better these days, which she's not really clear what that means. And then uh, they pass by the park and some of the other adults, like, say, like, be careful, DW, we wouldn't want to lose you. And then, of course, the Tibble Twins spell it out for her by saying, I ate a green potato chip. I'm dying. I'm dying. And... DW's immediate reaction is that Arthur did this, and although we know that he didn't, or, or, I mean, Arthur denies it, and we have no reason to disbelieve him, her reasoning for Arthur wanting to do it is actually pretty rock solid. Like, he, like he put all these people up to it and uh, to d- refute the fact that she is mature so he wouldn't have to take her. So, like, her logic is sound, even though, on this case, she is incorrect. And uh, she's... trying to to wheel this giant book up the hill Uh, and DW uh, says that she will prove that Arthur uh, is the one that put all these people up to this and told everybody about the green potato chip Uh, so essentially we get like a minute long segment of DW trying to spy on Arthur and Buster while they're uh, they're playing together. Well so before this I just want to put out there's a moment where uh, Arthur's like you could ask Francine like to clear things up about uh, like oh like if they don't know about it then obviously I didn't tell the people about the the potato chip incident. And then Francine and Muffy sort of immediately talk about it. Uh, there's a little plot hole where they could have just asked Francine and Muffy where they heard about this, but DW kind of storms off before she could do that. Right. She's very embarrassed and has obviously heard all she needs to hear. She's pretty much made up her mind and is just looking to be con- to get confirmation, which is where the spying thing comes in. And we get this segment, like I said, and it's essentially a minute-long running gag where uh, DW like does three different things to try and catch them in the act, but keeps getting found up by Buster, who keeps going, "Hello, DW." So like she has like a convenient uh like bush disguise essentially, where she disguises herself as a mound of grass, uh, and goes out into the, into the yard, and Buster finds her. She tries to spy on them with a tin can telephone, which is pretty easy to spot, and then finally. She uh, is spying on them from the treehouse with the bionic bunny binoculars and notices that their backs are turned. But then Buster turns around and she reads his lips and says, hello, DW. <laughs> she does say, I need more sophisticated equipment. <laughs> and in the very next. This is se- such a like this whole gag is so great. Like yeah. I talk about voice direction, like up to. Like, there's two pieces of great voice direction. One, it's the Buster delivery of, Hello, DW! And then it's the delivery of our DW slowly parsing out what Buster is mouthing. Yeah. uh, Is also wonderful. Uh, 
Um, and do we get a great line as we get to the very next scene of DW on the phone and she's called the operator. She just says, I need the number of the nearest lie detector store. Uh, and then Arthur finds in uh, be- uh, the local newspaper, uh, Buster's mom, who is the editor, has a has a column called Let a Smile Be Your Umbrella, in which she... Yeah. Which is so funny. That's like such an on-the-nose, like, local newspaper fluff piece column name. Yeah. Let your smile be the umbrella. Absolutely. Boo! Boo, boo indeed. Uh, and she's relating the story that she has heard from somebody about how DW ate a green potato chip. She doesn't name DW, but like a little girl ate a green potato chip and thought it was fatal. Um, do you think it's right to publish this story? I mean, do, did do you think Bitsy knew that it was DW and do you think it's right to publish it even like while omitting her name? Uh, well, we have context for this. Uh, Bitsy directly asked Arthur's mom, not to spoil the end of the episode, but we hear over here in Arthur's mom's phone con- conversation later on that Bitsy had asked permission to publish the story from uh, DW's mom directly. So and the parents agree, all bets are off. <laughs> Uh, so DW uh, imagines that this will haunt her for the rest of her life because it seems to be following her everywhere. So we get a, a cutaway gag of DW as the pre- as President DW, who is being uh, interviewed by the press corps in the White House. Uh, and we get like Francine as like a cub reporter kind of thing. She's got like <laughs> a like a jacket on and one of those newsy hats. And she says, like, President D.W., in your first term, you've ended poverty and war and outlawed older brothers who break their promises. And that gets (laughs) gets a big applause. But we see that Francine is clearly working for either Fox News or TMZ because she she comes at her with a with what do you call uh, with some gotcha journalism where it's just like, Miss President, I have one question. Would you like a potato chip? I checked for green ones, and then that embarrasses her big time. So let me let me tell you something about green potato chips. Uh, oh, the green potato chips were definitely poisoned because they're manufactured in China by Antifa, and so you gotta avoid those green potato chips. Let me tell you, I have all the best people that test all the potato chips I eat to make sure there's no green ones, because if you think I'm gonna let King Jong Un, Kim Jong Un, poison me with his dastardly potato chips i am the least likely to eat a green potato chip person <laughs> that you've ever met in your life ever be- that you've ever, ever met, met in your life. you've ever met in your life <laughs> i've never even seen or heard of a green potato chip uh <laughs> like and then and then and then if he would say that like a minute later there's like a tweet from like 2012 that's like i love green potato chips let me tell you something they are the best flavor like after he swore them off completely. Yeah. People thinking I don't eat green potato chips. Sad. Sad. Uh, so at this point, DW really needs some help in trying to bury the lead on this story. She needs to stop it from getting out. And she asks Arthur for help. And we get Arthur very intelligently weighing the positives and negatives of helping DW. Like he, his initial reaction is say, no, I have things to do. But then he has two thought bubbles. One is if he says no, and DW is just running, screaming and crying around him uh, to no end. And then saying, okay, I'll help you. And then they're both happy. So then he's like, all right, DW, I'll help you. So I thought that that was, I thought that that was very smart of Arthur's character at this point to be like, you know, this is probably better to just help her than to let her stew in this. 
like I said, uh, Arthur is really, really like an empathetic character in the second episode. Like you, you feel for him because you know that he's not the one that actually spread the rumor. And I think it's big of him not to spread the rumor because that would be an easy way to get cheap laughs out of your friends by telling the story. Hmm. But he realized it made DW uncomfortable and he never really told anybody about it. And here you can see him trying to make DW feel better. Like he, he works really well as the voice of reason in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we and so what essentially they do is they follow the news the newspaper delivery guy in in his car and they pick up the newspapers as they're being delivered and bring them to the local recycling the local paper Which, recycling plant to do this effectively you would have to get up at like 4 a.m. I do want to point that out that if you were to like effectively stop people from getting their newspapers you're getting up very early in the morning absolutely except it seems that this guy is doing this in broad daylight so he must be running way behind and so they they do it at, at least for a time and you know Arthur is dog tired after doing this and then they just see the delivery guy just doing it again and they're like hey what are you doing and then he's like got some uh, got some orders for a reissue on today's paper Guess some dog ate everybody's paper. That's your first hypothesis? Well, a, a couple things. I love the delivery boy's voice. Yeah. I feel like it's a voice we haven't heard before. Either that or it's an actor we know doing an affectation that we haven't heard. He almost sounds like he's from Chicago. Uh, I thought that was a fun touch. And you're right. The, his hypothesis is that some dog ate all of them. Yeah. Like, the, he, not only did he not see the kids with the giant shopping cart you know, yards behind him, but, like, come on. But I guess that's all he's got. Uh, so, essentially, they see that this is a useless plan, and DW just uh, commits to her life being ruined forever and is still uh, thinking that Arthur did it. She says, just like the time that you uh, stole my snowball and my crazy bus CD. And Arthur says, you know mom and dad took that CD, to which DW says, so you finally admit you took my snowball. <laughs> Another great touch. But then we actually find out the truth. She hears mom talking on the phone uh, in the dining room, just like clipping out the article from today's newspaper. And essentially we admit she she admits that she's the one who started spreading the story just because she thinks that it's really funny. And we get a little uh, thing here where DW is so shocked at what her mom is doing that mom's head briefly turns into the Rolling Stones logo. Like it's a giant it's a giant set of lips. It's just like. You know, because she's talking so much, she's gabbing about DW's uh, embarrassing thing that she's, like, telling everybody, and she's becoming a giant mouth. But it, yeah. the first thing I was like, oh, yeah, that's the Rolling Stones logo. Or, like, the opening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right, yeah, science fiction double feature. That's what Mom's all about. So DW confronts her about that, and Mom, at least to her immediate credit, is, is just, like, immediately apologizes and says that she won't spread that story around again and Arthur to help her feel feel better invites her to uh, the taping of you do the most embarrassing things uh, there's a funny visual part to this because when DW kind of resigns herself to being embarrassed forever she puts on a football helmet to kind of like hide her face and in the line for you do the most embarrassing things she's still got the football helmet on and when Arthur asks her about it she says I just have to lay low until college she goes, I'm just so miserable. Everyone's laughing at me. Yeah, she she does. She does say that. And uh, Buster kind of tries to calm her down or at least help her out a little bit in the line. She says one time my mom called me boo boo in front of everybody, which I guess is his nickname, which is uh, interesting. And then everybody call, called me that. And then they just forgot about it. And then 
Muffy says, hi, boo-boo, and he grabs the football <laughs> helmet puts it on. So there you go. Buster's uh, nickname, Boo-Boo. Wouldn't have guessed that. Did you notice in the line for uh, for the show, we see Buster's big brother, Mike? No! My goodness, from Art Garfunkel to Mike, there's all kinds of background Easter eggs in this episode. That's right. So it turns out that Mom is in the line uh, for the show as well. NDW hears her telling the story again to Mrs. McGrady, and she's very distraught by this and runs away. Uh, she runs out to, like, the local pier, which I guess is next, right next to Wonder World. Uh, and she actually happens to run into Binky. Um, it looks like the pier that's in what Requiem for a Dream. I don't know. Maybe I just have like a Pavlovian response where every time I see a pier, I think of G. Uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Connelly in either Requiem for a Dream or Jennifer Connelly in The Dark City. Both of those se- movies have like a seed shot in oh. what looks like the exact same pier. Yeah. Uh, and so I think about that every time I see a pier in anything. <laughs> I think it's just because I really like Jennifer Connelly. Uh, but uh, that's my, that was my first thought <laughs> when I saw this 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 little set. Uh, so DW runs into Binky, who's doing some ballet stretches, and he says, you okay, sir? And DW turns around, and she says, oh, Binky. And he goes, DW, I thought you were a real football player in a dress. <laughs> this, is, this is really funny. Um, DW is very is very upset at this point. She says, "What?" Do, she says it's something along the lines of, "What do you do when someone's doing something you don't like?" And Binky says, "I always just stare at people and they stop doing whatever they're doing." This is pretty great. Um, Mom finds DW and apologizes to her, and they again. And DW is pretty hurt because she said she wouldn't tell her tell anybody after this. So. Uh, yeah, DW makes a great point. She says, you, "Just because I'm a kid and you're an adult, you don't you think you don't have to keep a promise." Um, and that's essentially what Arthur's mom did. I thought this was a really realistic portrayal of how this scenario would play out, because Arthur's mom, um, though she's considerate of DW's feelings, like she probably wouldn't care that much, and still thought the story was worth telling. So I think this was like a really nuanced uh, portrayal of these events. Mm-hmm. I agree, and it's kind of a it's a situation where DW is actually kind of in the right. Mom promised that she wouldn't tell, and then she caught her in that she caught her in that maybe not lie, but going back on her promise, and she's right to be upset. And so they try to come to a compromise of like how they can address the situation when people ask about it. Uh, TW's initial idea I thought was really funny. She just says the newspaper lied, but then Mom decides uh, I don't want to talk about it because I want to respect my daughter's feelings. So they make up. It's a you know it's a little quick and all that, but they eventually make up and decide to go watch the show. And the person being featured on "You Do the Most Embarrassing Things" is someone who ate a green potato chip and thought it was deadly. DW gets ready to put the football helmet back on because they think they're going to call her up, but actually it's Binky. He's there to uh, tell about his embarrassing story, and he even says, "I thought I was going to die." And everybody starts in the audience starts laughing, and he gives them a great like mean mug, and they all just like go silent. It's really funny. And then the episode ends with um, uh, Binky and the Bully Ballet doing a reenactment of Binky eating a green potato chip. And, man, the bull it's, – so it's all of the tough customers, like every single one that we've seen to this point, in different costumes doing ballet – I wish we got to see more of this. Like I, don't, I know, don't, I, I think they must have been. They were so inspired by his performance earlier in the episode that they actually wanted to side on for it. 
Yeah, and so I, I just think it's really cool. It, I don't think it ever comes back, but it would be cool if the bully ballet were a thing. Like if we if we called them that instead of the tough customers, that became their stable name. <laughs> uh, and then the episode ends with Binky uh, taking Molly, who is the green potato chip, in like sort of a dip, and then he like eats part of her costume. Which I hope that was an edible costume, and it wasn't just Binky taking a large bite of styrofoam. Yeah, and if so, how do you make an edible costume that big? But anyway, we may never know. All right, so the chips are down, Revenge of the Chip. Do you want to talk about these as uh, sep- separate stories, or do you want to talk about it as a whole? First off, Will, do you know what my favorite brand of cookie is? What's that? Chips Ahoy. Um, so I, I think it's difficult to talk about these episodes as two different episodes because they really do uh, work so well as one companion piece. And I feel like neither episode would work as well as they do if you didn't watch them together. Uh, I will say that on talking about it, I think that I slightly enjoyed Revenge of the Chip a little bit more uh, just because I think it had so much... I mean, both of these episodes have so many good things about them. The chips are down. Um, the relationship between Binky and DW is really funny. And I think uh, Arthur makes a great antagonist in how much joy he takes in the whole situation. And I, I, I like the, all the montages of uh, Binky and DW sort of making the most in their last moments on Earth. Though I think Revenge of the Chip continues with the great one-liners and funny scenarios. But it's just got so much depth in that ending. Like, the fact that... Uh, there's like a double turn and it's uh, DW's mob that was the one spreading the rumors. And then they could have ended the episode there with her learning the lesson, uh, but she goes back on her word again. And I think that just adds so much depth to the episode that it just ekes out uh, being the one I like more. But as a companion piece, these are like as great of a batch of two episodes you could watch in my opinion. Yeah, I think they do work re- really well together as like a single contained episode. Uh, but there are things to like about about both of them. And Lucas, you did a good job mentioning kind of this the uh, difference the differences uh, in both of them. I think the thing to take away from, at least in my opinion, uh, the chips are down is that it does take advantage of a relationship that we haven't seen yet in Binky and DW. And I think they work incredibly well together. I really love their chemistry. I thought that they were funny. I thought that the the setup for the whole situation itself, you know. I initially thought wasn't that great, but it did actually lead to some great interactions. So I think it all kind of paid off. And the fact that it led into the next episode, like they really got the most meat that they could out of this scenario. Uh, Revenge of the Chip, it's funny, like when we were going through it just now, I was amazed at how how kind of dense the episode is. Like there's a lot going on in there. Yeah, a lot happens. Yeah, really. It's It's not like one of those episodes we've covered where it's like, you know, it's 11 minutes long and it feels like nothing really like gets happens or is solved it's like we really delve into some pretty good territory we continue a little bit with dw and binky we even get a little bit of an emotional core with the whole you know thing about you know keeping your promises and not going back on them and whatnot and i mean and it's also very funny i think that the the visual gags and the humor is turned up a little bit in the second half but i think they're both very very enjoyable this is a this is a great one and it's especially um relatable in the sense of like we all have these embarrassing things that happen to us and you could replace dw eating a green potato chip with like pretty much anything that's happened mm. to you and it's a very natural like arc of how it goes like it's 
for first it's the situation it happens and then it's the aftermath of it it's embarrassing but then you learn to live with it and maybe even learn to laugh with it a little bit so i think that that's a really cool way to approach this uh thing that happens to pretty much all of us all right so you know what my uh before we go will yes my my favorite disney 80s animated cartoon Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Ch -ch -ch Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Trying not to let you get a laugh from that. Uh, my favorite local indie wrestler, Chip Chambers. <laughs> wow. Now, <laughs> that is regional, my friend. <laughs> All right. So it is the end of an episode of Elwood City Limits. Glad to be back once again. Uh, we continue on in season three. If you've got any thoughts about the episodes that we've been covering, if you've just discovered the podcast and want to give us a shout, if you want to uh, boost us up on social media, raise that clout score, here's how you can uh, do that for us. On Facebook. If any if anybody's been watching Pop Team Epic, please send an email about what you think of Pop Team Epic. I've been dying to talk to anybody about it. So <laughs> if there's any crossover of Arthur fans and people who have been watching Pop Team Epic, please give me a give me a rig. Uh, that show is a trip. <laughs> I I'm only vaguely aware of it, but I'm sorry, I, I don't have any opinions on it right now. Uh, yeah, so Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Thank you, everybody. We recently passed 100 likes over there. We really appreciate it. On Twitter, follow us at ECL Podcast. And uh, we did get a lovely shout-out this week uh, on Twitter. We really appreciate when anybody uh, does that. Also, speaking of which, um, thank you, Lucas, for, uh, ta for uh, tagging me on Twitter in this post about uh, Arthur's absolutely fun day for the Game Boy Color music by Tommy Tallarico. Oh my goodness, I forgot to talk about that. The Tommy Tallarico did the music for that. We got. Are you able to play? Is a clip of it exist? Are you able to put that right here on the podcast? I will see what I can do. I'll have to. I'll have to try and hunt it down. I actually haven't looked that further into it, but I need to. I need to retweet it big time. We must pay respects to the legendary Tommy Tallarico. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can see all that stuff at ECL Podcast. On Tumblr, you can send us an ask at uh, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can also listen to us on the following places at Apple, uh, excuse me, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that's it, Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. Uh for the record, did try to, did try to get us on Spotify, but they haven't gotten back to us about that. So if you want me to keep going with that, let me know. I know that Spotify is a big thing these days. I'm not using it myself, but that doesn't mean that you aren't. So if you want Elwood City Limits on Spotify, please let us know. And if they might have they might have uh, rejected us because I recently canceled my Spotify subscription Ooh. in order to pay for a Crunchyroll subscription. In order to watch Pop Team Epic. Hey man, the 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 decisions millennials have to make. It's sometimes you have to go with your heart. Uh, and you can also go to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N to find all of our back catalog. Lucas, next week, I'm not gonna lie to you, it is a monumental episode that we're talking about. Do you know which one? With, I have no idea. Okay, so we go right from. Uh, the, the the chip episode, which I feel like is something of a landmark in Arthur, to one that I would argue definitely is. It's Binky Rules and Meet, oh. Meet Binky. 
Uh, I was wondering if this was like late in the series, like season four, season five, because I was like, man, we haven't watched the Biggie Rules episode yet. Will? I cannot wait. Oh my goodness. Me neither. This is going to be an awesome episode, as they all are. And thank you for listening to another great episode of Elwood City Limits, going through Arthur Season 3 and beyond. We've got some really cool things cooking up in the old feed, so make sure that you keep it locked on our social media, and we will keep you informed. What are you saying, Lucas? You're lucky you don't have a sister, pal. They're all goofy. For Lucas Mancini, my name's Will Young. We'll see you next time, and hey, Binky rules. Chip off the old block.